All right. Well, hey, welcome to the October 2019 uh, meeting for the GEG Ohio Google Educators Group of Ohio. Uh, this is a monthly meeting where we take a look at everything new in G Suite from the last month. We share awesome Google tips and tricks uh, and answer questions related to using Google tools in school. My name is uh, Eric Kurtz, and I'm a tech integration specialist up at the Stark Portage Area Computer Consortium, or SPARC for short. We're an information technology center serving schools in Northeast Ohio. However, this meeting is open to anyone um, in Ohio or even outside of Ohio. Um, we're happy for you to join us. And I am joined as usual by Stephanie. Uh, Stephanie, give you a chance to introduce yourself as well. Hi, everyone. Happy Halloween. I'm Stephanie Hell. I'm with Pickerington Local School District, and I'm an instructional technology coordinator for the middle schools, which is fifth and sixth grade. Fantastic. Later on, we'll have another special uh, guest with us today. Uh, we're going to have uh, Jen Giffen with us, and uh, she uh, won't be joining us until a little bit later on in the uh, meeting. She does have some other obligations, but uh, about an hour or so into the meeting, she'll be jumping in with us and be sharing some awesome resources. We're always so happy to have a guest who can be on with us, and we are looking forward to that. Um, as for this meeting, though, let's uh, run through a couple of quick introductory things for folks. All of the resources for today's meeting can be found in our Google Doc editable agenda. Now, this can be found um, on our GEG Ohio website, which is at bit.ly slash GEG Ohio. That'll take you out to our GEG Ohio website. From there, you can click on monthly meetings. From that page, if you scroll down, you'll see a spreadsheet that has a list of all the meetings and the links to the agenda as well as the videos. So for today, October 31st, this is the agenda link that you'll want that will get you into this Google document here. And this is an editable document. So please do feel free to contribute to it. There are several sections in there, um, including upcoming events, where you might want to mention some conferences that we did not list in here or other uh, PD opportunities. Uh, there's also a great section further down uh, called Q&A if you've got a question that you would like to contribute, um, or if you have an answer for one of the questions that's here, please do feel free to type that in or to add some feedback there because uh, we don't always have the answers and it would be great to get help from uh, the whole collective group here today. And there's a section at the end called show and tell where you can share uh, awesome things that are happening in your school or a neat new tool you've come across or a resource you would like to share with the group. And we would love to have you do that as well. All right. Um, in addition to the shared agenda document, you can also leave comments in the live YouTube chat for the meeting. We will keep an eye on that as we go through the meeting today. All righty. Well, with all of that said, I think we are ready to go ahead and jump into this agenda and get started. So we've done the introductions. We can go ahead and scroll past that. Um, there's a section here called important links, and there's one that I did want to draw your attention to. Same one we do every single month, and that is our sign-in form. It is uh, highlighted in green to get your attention. Uh, this is a very simple Google form. If you give a click on that link, it'll ask for your name, your email address, where you're from, pick today's uh, meeting date, 
and a course that you're attending online. Sometimes we've done face-to-face -face meetings. That's why that question is there because sometimes that's an option as well. Uh, but if you would also fill out the question where it says, is this your first time attending? Yes or no, that would be fantastic. Uh, this serves two purposes. We use this form to be able to send you a certificate of attendance for attending this meeting. Uh, but then we also use this form to be able to report numbers to Google because Google wants to know how many people attend GEG meetings and is it their first time or not. And so I don't share with them your contact info. I just share the quantity of people who attend it. And so I would uh, encourage you uh, and thank you for filling that out if you would. In the next section below that, we have a couple of quick updates. Uh, the two things we normally mention in this section would be the two ways you can stay connected to us in between the meetings. Uh, one is the old GEG Ohio Google Plus community. It still exists. Uh, we've got a little over 2,100 members in that community. Please do feel free to join that if you would like to. Unfortunately, uh, this is something that is no longer available for personal Gmail accounts. So there's um, a lot of folks who can no longer use Google Plus and so they can't participate in that community. So um, even though it does exist and we still will contribute to it, we do have a new official way to be plugged into the group and that is through our Google group. And that is the email distribution list you can sign up for. There is a link here that'll take you out to that uh, Google group forum where you can uh, join the group, there's also a way you can just send an email to this email address to subscribe as well. And we would encourage you to do that. That will allow you to ask questions, share resources, and stay in the loop in between the meetings. Great way to communicate with hundreds and hundreds of educators all around Ohio and beyond about things related to G Suite and schools. All right, for our next section, I'm going to uh, throw this over to Stephanie. I know she's got at least one thing to mention here, maybe a, a couple things, and this is upcoming events. We try to uh, highlight any conferences or uh, training opportunities that are available. A lot of this might be a little bit more Ohio-centric, so if you're listening from outside of Ohio, uh, apologize for that, uh, but some of these actually um, are online, so not everyone does require you to be here in Ohio. Uh, Stephanie, go ahead. The first one I kind of want to mention is the Teach Success Summit. So that's going on right now. It's all online, um, completely free. There is a portion where you could buy. And the one that you could buy gives you limited access, um, lifetime access to all the videos. If you want the free version, you have to watch the videos, I think, by 10 p.m. And I think they are at maybe day four or day three. Um, so you can see the different topics and try to catch up on that learning. Uh, again, it's free to watch um, 6 a.m. to 10 p.m., but once 10 p.m. comes, they are locked down. So make sure if you do want to get a hold of those, you sign up quickly. And then the final one I wanted to talk about for today, I mean, of course, there's tons of them, and thank you so much for adding those, um, those of you that did, is the Ohio Google Summit. Um, so this will be in May. And they are calling for presenters now. I just put in a couple sessions, so I hope to meet you guys in person and maybe we can have a meetup or something. Um, but everything is there. It's a pretty easy Google form to submit your proposal. Um, it's just a couple questions and it's probably the easiest proposal I have ever filled out for a conference. Um, so make sure you sign up if you wanna present. Well, that is fantastic. I love hearing that it's an easy form to fill out. <laughs> and it uh, looks like we'll be back at Kalahari um, this this year for that summit. I know it does jump around sometimes between Columbus and Kalahari, and that'll be in May. 
Awesome. Uh, the two things I wanted to mention out of the upcoming conferences, um, one of them is one that I will be involved in, and that is a Google Applied Digital Skills Workshop on December 17th, um, and that is going to be organized through through Nawaka up in Northwest Ohio. So if you're anywhere up in the Northwest corner of Ohio, this would be a fantastic training opportunity. If you're not familiar with Google's Applied Digital Skills, uh, that is the free curriculum that, that Google provides for tech skills, job job skills, life skills uh, for uh, students and adults alike. This will be a three-hour training to help people get very comfortable with that curriculum so you can turn around, take it back, and use it with uh, your students or with the adults that you work with. It's a free training. Uh, thanks to Google uh, for providing that. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention was just a change because I did have this in last month. Uh, EdTech team is doing an Ohio Google Summit um, in Dublin, Ohio. And originally, um, I believe it was scheduled for uh, November. Um, I did get a note that uh, it does appear that that is getting rescheduled. They believe it's going to be in April. Uh, this um, uh, link will get updated um, as we find out more about that. I just wanted to make sure we got that on people's radar so they were aware of that change. Another um, great opportunity uh, to connect with folks. That one will be more central Ohio, so I uh, could reach a lot of folks around the state with that. And yes, we are skipping over a whole bunch of of other upcoming events there. There's just so many of them. They're all very valuable. Please do take the time to click on these and uh, uh, plug in to these professional de development opportunities. And if you have others we did not add, please still throw them in. There's plenty of time to put them into the document. All right, well, we're going to move on to what is uh, probably one of the biggest sections that we cover each month here. And it's one of the main reasons we do these meetings is to try to say what's new in G Suite for the last month, because we know it's hard to keep up with this. There's just so many new things that come out. Google is constantly innovating and adding new features. And so throughout the month, Stephanie and I keep an eye on these. And anytime uh, we see something pop up on a Google blog or on Twitter that um, is something new and noteworthy, we add add it to this ongoing document. And of course, there's a lot more in here than we're actually going to cover. Uh, what we've done is we've uh, highlighted a few things here uh, that at least for us stood out as definitely worth taking a moment to speak about. Having said that again, though, if there's something we don't discuss here, please click the links to follow these resources yourself. But if you have a question, uh, throw a comment in. If you want to highlight one of these and add a comment in and say, hey, can we chat about that? Uh, Stephanie and I will be glad to swing back around and do so. Uh, well, Stephanie, I'm going to let you go ahead and um, kick things off here if you would like to. Uh, we're going to kind of go back and forth. Uh, hopefully that's uh, okay. Um, we'll, uh, we'll probably uh, add to each other as we chat about some of these things if there's something extra that we want to uh, mention. But I'll go ahead and throw this uh, over to you, Steph. So I have not heard about the Google add-in of life details. So Eric, you might have to jump in a little bit on this one. All right. Um, but it sounds like Google is, wasn't um, the devices like so many years before they expired and they're opening up that for longer? So you are correct. Okay. Uh, Chromebooks do have a, an end of life. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm trying to remember how many years it typically is. You're right. They have like six. They, they did let it, they did stretch it out a bit. It used to be, I think a little bit shorter and they were trying to um, hopefully stretch that out a bit longer. I think one of the key things here is that um, people get confused on that. They're like, well, when does my Chromebook stop getting updates, you know? Mm -hmm. And so this um, little, uh, 
news item was to mention that they are adding that information right into the Chromebook settings page. So if you go into your settings in a Chromebook and you go to the about section in there, uh, where it'll tell you what version you have, now there's going to be something that will say something to the effect of software updates for this device will be available until, and then there'll be a date and a year listed there so that people will have a better idea. Well, when is my Chromebook not going to get updated anymore? Now, it doesn't mean you can't use your Chromebook after that. I've got, you know, I don't know, Stephanie, do you guys still have some of those old silver Samsungs from like first oh. ever, you know, big adoption yeah. of Chromebooks? We don't use them anymore, but yep. <laughs> we like our special ed department bought them for the students because yeah. our spec ed department kind of went one-to-one first. Yeah. Um, they were in an iPad cart and then everybody else kind of followed, but now we're on a four-year cycle. Um, so every... So the students that when they come into fifth grade, they get a Chromebook. When they go to ninth grade, they get a new device. So for four years, they have to keep that device right. clean. Um, hopefully, you know, some digital citizenship where they're taking care of their devices. Mm-hmm. Um, but if not, they can get them repaired if there's issues that do occur and then they buy insurance. And so then after that four years, they become freshmen, they turn in their devices, they get new devices. Um, in the summer. So they turn them in in May and then in August they'll get a new device. So, but I think they're also about to um, make it so it's longer too with the end of life. Right. So not that shorter time, which will be nice. Right. Well, I know I still have some old Chromebooks and yes, they're past their end of life. They're not getting updates anymore, but they still work. (laughs) I can still use them. You just lose some of the functionality. So uh, this just gives us more transparency so that we hopefully will have a better understanding uh, anytime we look at a Chromebook settings. And I know too, some websites will not work if Chrome's not up to date. For example, like we use iReady. And if you're not up to date with the latest Chrome, it won't work with that device. So you do have to be careful when you're looking into buying websites and programs. Um, Just keep that in the back of your mind that, Sometimes companies do need the latest Chrome update for it to work. Good point. Thank you for sharing that. All right. Well, the the second uh, thing that uh, we've highlighted here is one that I have tried out. I've played around with this. Uh, this is now this is an Android app. Um, so I mean, sometimes we have things that are cross-platform. They're iOS and Android, or they're Chrome OS. Sometimes we'll mention something that is just you know a, a little more limited. In this case, this is just for Android devices. But that doesn't mean it would always just be Android. It may be something that as Google continues to work on it, it grows and applies to other products. Um, but this is the Google Google Recorder app. And so I have played around with this. I have tried this one out. I do have it installed on my phone. And um, it's pretty simple. (laughs) What it is, is a a recording app. Uh, Think about like way back in the day when we used to have little micro cassettes and little handheld tape recorders. And you'd, you know, click the record button to capture that thought that you had, or you would take it with you to your college class and sit it on your desk and and record the uh, professor's lecture as the class went on. And then you had these little itty bitty, you know, micro cassettes, you know, that you'd record it on. Well, this is that idea. Now I guarantee you there's dozens of apps that do this. So it's not that this is something revolutionary, uh, but it is from Google. And so we did want to, um, to indicate that this was an update. Um, they have their Google, their Google recorder app. And what's new about it now, a couple of things. 
um, is that it does do transcripts now. So when you open up the app and you hit record, it will record whatever audio that you're hearing. But if you click on the transcript button with it, it will actually um, give you a live um, transcription of what's being said. And that gets saved with the audio as well. So a couple of things that could be neat about this. This would be helpful if you have um, somebody who is having a, a difficult time hearing. If there's um, a student where this might be an assistive technology uh, tool to help that while something is being spoken, they can actually see the transcription of it being typed up right in front of them. And of course it is saved. It's not a ephemeral transcription that it only shows up while it's being spoken then once it's over it's gone because the audio is being saved the transcript is being saved with it too and so they could play that back later so again this could be used to record a lecture could be used to help out during a conversation to be able to hear what is being said um, the ai has gotten pretty snazzy with this now and it does a good job of identifying what is being heard whether it's uh, voice whether it's music whether it's um, you know back chatter it's it's getting better and better all the time uh, being able to identify what needs to actually be recorded and transcribed um, so this is available for Android devices uh, there is a, a link um, in the um, bottom of that blog post that will take you out to uh, the page where you can install that and I have tried it out and it works pretty well so I just wanted to give a heads up on that I was like Google is really upping their game with the closed captioning features and all of those features for people that need them. I so that's agree. super exciting. They're just, they're baking it into everything. It seems like yeah. it's just going to become standard and there'll be a day when we'll be like, oh, do you remember back when we didn't have, you know, transcription mm -hmm. and captioning for everything? And it's yeah. just, that's awesome that we do. Yep. All right. What's up next? The next one is the Grasshopper app. So this is really a cool um, website and app. So you can do this on your desktop. And if you click, I believe there's a link at the, yes, right there. If you click that link, you can start coding today. And you just sign in with Google. And then once you sign in, you have to start coding. Um, you can start at different levels. So I was playing with the fundamentals. Uh -huh. And it was really cool because like as you were clicking the different coding links, you got confetti if you got the code correct. Um, and again, I like that it gives immediate feedback to students because um, coding is huge in our district. We're really trying to push that out to students and sometimes it can be difficult, but with the immediate feedback, I think that really helps students know, okay, I got this right or I got this wrong. What do I need to do different? Um, so if you hit the got it, and then hit got it again. And then, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so it gives you this code. Go ahead and hit run code. Oh, yeah. Or, yeah, you can do that. There you go. And it will show you as you're doing it. So then the students oh. know, okay, at that white, what needs to go there? So they would do um, draw box. And then they, yep, white. And then they could run the code again, or they could know, hey, I need to do the red code now. Um, so it's very cool. And there's the confetti. Yay. It correct. You can hit continue. <laughs> and then you're on to the next phase. Um, so then you have to figure out this solution. 
I love it. Yeah, and it gets harder and harder every time as the students go. But I really love the confetti because of that immediate feedback that students are getting as they're learning to code. Um, and coding is such an important skill for students in today's world. Well, that is so neat. So I know uh, the big update to this is the fact that it's web-based now because Grasshopper, I've, I've seen it, I've mentioned it, um, I've shared it during my hipster Google session, but it was always sharing it as a mobile app because it existed as a, as a mobile app for Android and iOS. Uh, this is so nice that it's now web-based as well. So you could do this on a Chromebook, a Mac, a PC. And you know what it reminds me of? It's sort of like the coding version of Duolingo for, mm -hmm. for, for learning foreign languages. Uh, Cause I've been, I've got that on my phone and I've had that for years. I've tried some, some different languages and it's just that, you know, small little exercises that, that repeat and build and give you immediate feedback. Uh, awesome. So for schools that are looking for some uh, JavaScript coding instruction, Grasshopper now on the web as well. And then the techie teacher trainer in the comments on our YouTube um, chat, she just said that she did this with, because I haven't tried this with students yet, but she did this with year eight students. Okay. And they loved it. Um, it took them between two to three lessons to get through fundamentals. So just keep that in mind. Um, if you want to complete this with students, I like that she actually tried it and let us know that it could take two to three lessons just oh. to get through yeah. <laughs> that. Yeah. So that's really helpful when planning for you guys. Um, as you're working this out. Oh, love it. Good and she stuff. said the kids love the confetti. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we all like to be congratulated. <laughs> so that's good. So thank you for sharing. Awesome. All right. Uh, up next, we've got um, a new add-on for Google Sheets. This one is from Google. It's called Goal Seek. Um, now I'm going to go ahead and pull over an example spreadsheet to show you this please feel free to follow the link if you'd like to see the blog post on this where Google uh, talks about what this um, add-on does. But um, I will go ahead and pull over a uh, spreadsheet here. Here we go. Um, to demonstrate how this works. So Goal Seek is an add-on. So in Google Sheets, you would go to your add-ons menu, you go to get add-ons, and then you'd search for it and install it. I've already got it installed, so I'll go ahead and open it up. And what this is, it's mimicking a feature that has existed in Excel for a while, and now Google has added it, not baked into Sheets, but as an add-on. So you still have to you know, install this add-on, but now it gives you this feature. And here's the idea. Um, let's say that I was going to be averaging up, so we'll say we're gonna do an average um, here, and we're gonna say I'm gonna average up these five cells. And so um, in this case, I'm doing, I say I'm, I'm a student and I'm, I've got, you know, all the tests for the nine weeks and I'm seeing what my current average is. Well, what Goal Seek does is it allows you to say, what if I want this cell, my average grade, to be a certain amount, what would I need in this cell, my fifth test, to achieve that. It's a, you know, what if kind of a scenario. And so what you do is you come and you say, okay, let's go to the, the goal cell. What, you know, what cell are we trying to uh, have be the target? And so I'll set that as this particular cell right here. And then what value do I want it to be? So I don't know, maybe I wanted to get an 83. You know, I'm just using that as an example. It's an 80 right now and I want to get up to an 83. And the question is what cell needs to change to allow me to reach that? Well, I still don't know what my fifth test is going to be. So I'm going to say that cell um, here. Um, well, whoops, got to give it the right cell here. Try that again. There we go. F2. There we go. And so now I'm saying G2 is the, is the target. 
uh, value of 83 and uh, F2 is the one I don't know about. Now I got some options here. I can say how many iterations do I want it to try. This should be enough. I think it's gonna try like 200 different times. And what it does is it's trying to, it's gonna basically do a trial and error. And it's gonna try a bunch of different values and try to hone in on what value is needed to do that. So let's hit solve and let it run. So now it's cranking through. It's just gonna start cranking through lots of different numbers and to try to find what would be a, um, uh, a, a, an acceptable value. And here it goes, it's starting to crank through them and it's cranking and it's cranking. Is it gonna get to 83? Looks like it's honing in on it and now it's, it's made it, but it's really narrowing down and there we go. So after trying 200 different approaches, um, it looks like it has now found out that I need a 95 on test number five to get an average of 83. Uh, so pretty neat uh, tool to do some what if kind of calculations. Now I did this as an example with, uh, you know, a student's grade, but really could be applied to any data analysis that you're doing. So that is from Google and it's a neat way to extend the power of sheets um, and make it more compatible with what we've seen in Excel in the past. Yeah, that's exciting because I think too you could reflect with students on, hey, this is what grade you need. Um, so what, what could we do too? You know, having those one-on-one -on -one conversations. Right. Need stuff. All right. And then the next one is customized text size. So going back to you know the closed captioning, of course Google's always making it better. So now yes. you can customize it. So rather than it at the bottom, you could move it to the top. Um, so this is just an exciting rollout just to make it even more easier to read. You can also make it smaller or set a certain number of words that hit the screen too. Excellent. Yeah, so we've had the, the, the live captioning for a little while, but yep, this is nice. We can now move that captioning uh, up to the top and we can also change the size of the captioning. Sweet, all right. I think the one thing that most people are still waiting for with this, I'm sure you've heard this too, Stephanie, people ask, can we save the captions from oh, that? Yeah. Uh, that uh, hasn't happened yet, but hey, they're still tweaking it. They're still working on stuff. So just even the fact that we can make the captions larger and move them is encouraging. But the app will, right? The transcript? Yeah, the one we were talking about earlier, that one saves it, the so Google Recorder app. Yeah. Yeah, you could have that. Yep, you could have that running and yeah. let it record the entire time and then pull that transcription out. As a workaround, but I'm sure Google's working on it if they yeah. were able to do that. So it should yeah. be coming hopefully maybe soon. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, the next one, I'm not going to go into any great depth other than to say, hey, Blogger's not dead. Uh, so Blogger gets a major UI refresh on Android. Uh, this may not apply to anybody at all. You may not be using Blogger, but I do use Blogger. I, I use Blogger for my Control Alt Achieve site. Um, and uh, I know some schools still use Blogger for uh, class blogs, for student projects. It's still a great, great tool. Um, the, the, and what the update is, isn't so much as important to me as the fact that there is an update. <laughs> Just the fact that it got a little love. So the update is on Android. Uh, they've made some updates to the Blogger um, app that you can use to access and edit your, your blog. I don't use the app myself. I use the, the website to do it. Uh, so again, it's not that there's anything about this update that I'm like saying, oh, this is a great new feature. 
I'm just glad that Blogger got some love, which encourages me that it's, it's still alive and they're still gonna continue to support it and develop it, even though we haven't seen many updates here recently. That's just a little encouragement to me. So, um, all right. What do we have up next? The next one is, I feel like less clicks. So with charts, um, you're able to just kind of delete right into sheets. And I believe there's a GIF with this one, yep. So as you can see in the GIF, um, you just click and then you're able to edit whatever information you want. You can take it away, you could rename. Um, so again, so nice. less clicks. <laughs> and this is also, it's giving us micromanagement. I mean, you know, you, you think about, the, the, this example here, it looks like they're doing a line of best fit. So they got a scatter plot mm -hmm. and they've done a line of best fit. The fact that you can selectively remove certain labels and change, you know, colors of individual dots to highlight just the data you're trying to uh, bring attention to. Wow, that is yeah. really nice because in the past it's like, well, no, you either have all the labels or none of the labels. Mm -hmm. It's either all this color or it's it's not, you know, this, yeah, it, this is nice. And if you made a mistake, you would have to go back to the table and correct it where now you can just do it right from right there. Yeah, that's really nice. Just a lot of, a lot of tweaks you can do to make a lot more attractive um, charts. Very cool. That's exciting. All right. Uh, next one that we have highlighted here is just some additional dot new shortcuts. We've, I think, mentioned these in the past months. They keep adding more of them. Um, so what are we up to now? We've got uh, note.new was the one and keep.new was the one that was listed in this particular update. So if you type uh, note.new, notes.new, or keep.new, it'll generate a new Google Keep uh, note. I know in the past we've probably talked about a lot of the other ones, docs.new, slides.new, sheets.new. Um, and that was neat. And I think later on, we can just roll it in together. There's one in mm -hmm. here about cal.new. So we can just let that roll into that update. Uh, cal.new or meeting.new will create a new calendar event um, for you. Again, anything to help save a little bit of time? Yeah, those will definitely save some time. Another website, kind of like Blogger, um, was Google Books. I feel like this one never gets really used either, but they're also coming out with a new look. Um, I, it's such a great resource that I feel like a lot of people just kind of miss or they forget yeah. about. Um, but the search tool with Google Books is amazing. So you can search pretty much anything and it will pop up, you know, if you're looking, yep, see as you can tell yeah. how crazy their advanced searches um, and they can search different books and help you find what you're trying to look for. Yeah, is yeah, Google Books, you're right. Yeah, I think sometimes people do forget about what a great resource it is that not only has Google cataloged all these books and you can search for them, but with this update, there's some pretty neat little things they've added in here. Like I love the citation button. Now I mm -hmm. think they probably had it before, but now it's maybe just with the new update, it's easier to find, it's easier to see. So in this case, they've got a link out to a, um, a wrinkle in time. Let's say I find this book and I want to reference it. I can click create citation and there's my APA MLA in Chicago citation just ready to go and I can copy that um, if I need it of course they've got information on the author but then there's also cool stuff further down like well you know if you liked this book 
you might like these other ones. Kind of gives you some suggestions for students that find a book that really struck a chord with them and they're not sure where to go next. What a great way to encourage additional reading um, by looking at the similar books that are related to it. If you don't see this new, if you go to Google Books and you run a search or something, uh, like in this case, we, we were looking at A Wrinkle in Time. If you run a search and if you don't get the new um, look, which maybe we all have now, yeah, it does look like um, it's earlier. Um, I noticed that uh, when I ran a search I, I, about a week ago or so, I was still getting by default the old look. I had to then click a link that said, try the new look of Google Books. Oh, here it is up here. It says, want to return to classic? Uh, so um, it looks like now it is defaulting over to, to the new one. But if, but if you don't see it yourself, there will be a link that will say that you can click there to get the new look of Google Books. Sweet. Uh, let's see, what do we have next? Oh, this is kind of cool. Getting started with Google for Education. Uh, this is something that Google sent out a couple weeks back. I know I got an email about it. I, I, I think they might have also done, you know, tweeted this on social media and so forth. Um, this is just some self paste uh, PD that anybody can take advantage of. So what this is, is if you follow the link and you register, if you sign up for this, it's totally free. It basically puts you into an eight week email cycle where you're going to get um, every Tuesday uh, in your email, a, an email with video-based tutorials on Drive Docs, Classroom Form Sheets, Slides, Drawings, and Gmail, about 15 minutes long for each lesson. And it's just something that you can start anytime. It's like, oh, I missed it. Okay, well, I guess I'll catch the tail end. No, 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 no. You, you just, you sign up and next Tuesday you get you know, email number one, and it starts you on that process. So just a neat way if you're like, I, I, need, to, I need to fit in a little bit of PD and not sure how I'm going to do it. This will help keep you on track for at least eight weeks learning something new in little 15 minute chunks each week. Yeah, and I sent that out to my teachers and they were really excited. I even had a lot of pair pros because um, we really trained our teachers and I feel like we um, kind of forgot about our pair pros a little bit when we first went one to one. Um, okay. which is a subgroup that you do not want to forget about because they're so valuable to the school system. And so they all were jumping on board with wanting to do this training. Again, it's only 15 minutes out of their day. And now I have them interested in level one certification, which is really exciting. Oh, that's great. I'm glad to hear that's been well received. Yeah. And then the next link we're going to look at is digital well-being. So Google has some new resources for us. Um, I know, Eric, you talked about well-being last or maybe back in August. Yeah. And you provided really great resources. And so here's some just additional resources for this. Um, one that I really liked was the wind down. I've been using that on my phone because I've been mm. trying to be self-cautious about going to bed and not having yeah. your phone on because it is a hard thing. Um, but we really have to model it for the younger generation and students. And it makes you feel better when you're not on your phone all night. Um, so the wind down is really cool. You just add it. I have a Google Pixel and it turns gray. So it makes things not look as appealing. And I don't see all the notifications because it's just pretty much gray and white looking screen, which has really helped me not even want to be on my phone, which is just crazy to think about. Hmm. <laughs> and then well, there's a, yeah, and then there's break YouTube. So it will keep track, I believe, of your YouTube time. And every time you hit a certain amount of minutes, it's going to say, okay, 
your, your YouTube limit, you know, is kind of done for the day. Um, which I need to put on my husband's phone. <laughs> and then there's unlock. Unless, unless they're watching the GEG Ohio yes, Google user this. group meeting, YouTube video. That's fine. That one, you can, you, you can get a pass on that. Yeah. So make sure <laughs> once a month you add additional time for this, um, for this YouTube uh, recording. <laughs> Great. But other than that, you need to limit yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there was a couple others like yeah. un Unlock Clock, We Flip, and Desert Island. Yeah. So these are just some really cool ones to check out. And I mean, we really do need to start thinking about being digital well-beings because yeah. it is hard because you do get addicted. I mean, I was addicted to my phone um, technology and you really do have to limit yourself. And I really feel like Google is helping with that piece because we do need something to be in place to help us. Yeah. Boy, I tell you, it really does seem to be something that a couple of years ago, you'd hear little bits and pieces of this, but now it's become a very common discussion. I'm so glad to see a lot of conferences I attend. There's sessions on this. People are now talking about mindfulness, about, you know, mental health, about well-being, digital well-being for students, for staff. It's coming up more and more. And I'm glad to see Google and other companies getting behind it. Um, these new um, little tools they've launched are just for Android again. So apologies to those with iOS devices. It's possible that there's a uh, similar analog um, on, an I, on an iPhone as well, or maybe some of these will transfer over eventually and there'll be iPhone versions from Google. But yeah, these are just some additional little apps you can download, uh, like the one unlock, unlock Clock. It basically just counts every time you unlock your phone during the day. I mean, that's literally all it does. But when you go to unlock your phone, it gives a really big number that shows you, you know, okay, you've now unlocked it, you know, 10 times. This is the 17th time. This is the 98th time you've unlocked your phone today. And it's just that little bit of a, it's, it's kind of like anything in life. If you ask, oh, how many times do you think you unlock your phone in a day? We're going to probably estimate low. Just like if you said, how many calories do you think you ate today? I guarantee you, <laughs> I'm going to pick low. But when we mm -hmm. have to track it, when we use technology to track that stuff, then we become more aware and can make better decisions. Um, and so these are just, yes, yeah, six, six new apps. They include things like you mentioned, the unlock clock, uh, uh, the post box. Basically, it just it, it holds all your notifications until times you've designated. So you just get all your notifications a couple times throughout the day. Uh, Desert Island, it allows you to say, I only want to use these five apps, you know, today. These are the central ones and it blocks the other ones, things like that. So, And the but, Morph one looks interesting too. It says like stay focused by getting the right apps at the right time. Because right. how many times do you get on your phone? You're supposed to, you know, look up <laughs> Google, like sometime a restaurant's open and then you're on Facebook or Twitter for 20 right. minutes. Right. <laughs> exactly. So it's really, it is a issue that we do have in today's world of staying focused. Um, Dan, real quick, had a question, yeah. I think, about the one that you talked about with the getting started with Google, the 15-minute training. Yeah. Um, he asks, can teachers earn CEU credits for completing those modules? I don't I, know if there's anything that, do you get a certificate at the end? Hmm. I'm not sure if you do, but I'm sure you could talk to your school district and hmm. possibly. 
Good question. I do not know if it gives a confirmation that you have completed it and then gives a certificate indicating anything. Um, because it doesn't explicitly say that, I think it may be one of those things where you would have to talk to your LPDC folks and say, here's what I'm doing. It's eight weeks. They're estimating 15 minutes each. And so I'm going to submit this for two hours. And, you know, here is the documentation of what I created from each thing. I don't, not having gone through it myself, I am sorry. I, if somebody has gone through it, and if you know um, at the end that, um, uh, a certificate gets generated or something, let us know. My guess is probably not because they don't mention it. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, next up, I know we already talked about the Cal.new. So it looks like um, um, Google Hangouts uh, got an update here recently um, in that it now supports up to 100 participants at a time. Now, if you look at the actual blog post, you're going to see the number 250, but that refers to um, enterprise. Um, and some schools might be using enterprise, but I don't think many of them are. I think most schools are probably using the free version of G Suite. Uh, so it's, uh, we would fall under basic. If you're not sure about that, you can scroll to the bottom of that blog post and it does explain that the 100 person limit, the basic that applies to G Suite for education. Um, but that basically means you can have 100 people in a hangout at once. Now, I don't know if you'd want 100 people in a hangout all at once. Uh, that could be a little bit challenging to manage, but I guess, maybe a little bit, it helps ease a bit of the pain from our loss of Hangouts on Air, um, which is why Stephanie and I are using Zoom for this meeting right now. I'm not using Google Hangouts because Hangouts on Air used to allow us to broadcast um, a Hangout to unlimited numbers of people, um, and that no longer is available. But oh, it does look like at least we could get 100 people in a Hangout, um, which maybe could address some of the needs where people have some meetings that in the past they would have been turning to a hangout on air to get a broader audience. At least they can get up to a hundred now, but still doesn't replace hangouts on air, but um, it is definitely a, a, a nice step in the right direction. All right. And then the final one that we're going to talk about today is the Google reminds us that about mail settings um, so this isn't new, it's just a reminder because I think they thought a lot of users didn't know about it or didn't realize it was disabled by default. I did not realize this, so it was yeah. a reminder to me, yes. <laughs> um, but it's just kind of saying that it's going to capture all emails in your domain. And there, and, Yeah, and, and, and it's like um, something that by default... Um, this feature called, uh, what are they, they're calling it comprehensive mail yeah, storage. storage. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's turned off by default. Uh, comprehensive mail storage is off by default. And yeah, I didn't know that this, I'm glad they posted this. You're right, Stephanie, this is not mm -hmm. something new. I don't know how it slipped through that I didn't realize it. Um, but here's basically the idea. I don't know if you've ever done this. Um, I think we all do. Um, have you been in Google Calendar and there was a upcoming meeting and you know how you can click that link in the meeting to send a message to all of the attendees to say, don't forget about the meeting or something. Well, because you're sending that message through Calendar, it actually isn't coming out of your email screen, you're not in Gmail sending it, you're sending it out of calendar, that actually doesn't get saved in your sent 
mail because it got sent through calendar instead. Or if you're in Google Drive, you know how you can go in Google Drive and I can click file, email, collaborators. And I can say, oh, I want to send a message to all of the collaborators on this document. If I sent a message right now, that actually doesn't get recorded anywhere in my inbox. Um, they would get an email. It would be in their inbox, but not mine. And that could be a problem because we don't want to lose those messages. Maybe there's an important message and for a public records request, you need to be able to provide that, that you sent a message to the collaborators of a document or you sent a message to the attendees of a calendar event. By going to your admin console and following these directions, it was very simple. It took me like a minute to go in and do this. I went in and I turned this feature on for, for my domain. And so now anytime any kind of message gets sent, it is going to be saved into the sent box, which then means it gets saved in Google Vault. So please consider turning this on if you don't have this turned on. Yeah. All right. Well, anything else on the update, Stephanie, or did you see something in the YouTube chat? That... Um, I think we're all caught up. All right. Wait, oh, I do see somebody ask... asking for a link to the agenda. Just yeah. If anybody has joined us late, um, you can always, always, always get to the agenda at bit.ly slash GEGOhio. That's where everything is always found for every meeting, uh, bit.ly slash GEGOhio. That takes you to the GEGOhio website. And then from there, if you click on the monthly meetings link, that's where you'll find all the links you need. You'll see each of the meetings with a link to the agendas and a link to the live video, which turns into the recorded video afterwards. So yeah, we don't want anybody to miss out on jumping in the agenda. All right. Yeah, it's like, I think we got everybody. If I missed someone, let me know, but I think everyone's caught up. Excellent, excellent, excellent. All right. Very so good. So yeah, yeah, Q's want to head on to Q, Q yeah, yep. let's, just, let's look at Q&A. So, <laughs> There's a lot. So what do you see in there, Stephanie? Uh, let's see here. The Chrome browser, you want to start with that one or sure. do you want to just yeah. go? I know you answered some of them already, yeah, Eric. We, we, can, we can, yeah, we can touch on some of these quickly. I guess what we'd want to say is if anybody is in the meeting with us and you can add to these, please do. Uh, we tried to throw in a few, you know, ideas here that we might have, but it doesn't mean that we have the right answer. Um, yeah, these were some hard questions this week yeah. or this month. <laughs> so yeah. feel free to jump in if anybody in the community knows more. Um, but yeah, it looked like the first one was just about the Chrome browser crashing mm -hmm. on a MacBook and talking about the thing that I think we've seen a lot of times <laughs> where your default search engine is changed. You go to open up your browser and suddenly it's not Google anymore. You've got some other search thing trying to take over. Yeah, that's some kind of malware, uh, you know, unfortunately. Now, we use Malwarebytes where I work at the Stark County ESC, um, and it does a really good job. I would, I would encourage you running that even if you don't leave it installed. Um, I do have it installed permanently, um, but um, that would be um, a, a good, because sometimes you're going to need a third-party tool that's going to scan through and pull those kind of settings out. Does look and, like though we've got some other stuff being put in here though. And yeah, I would agree with the extensions. That is such a huge part too. Like we had a we had all of our extensions open, 
So, you know, kids were adding whatever extension they wanted to. Like there was a Donald Trump one that changed every image to Donald Trump. Um, so they'll, they'll find them <laughs> and it will make everything run slower. So make sure you have um, an extension. Like I use extension, what is it called? Extension manager, Stitcher, and I can turn them on and off as yeah. I need them. So yep, you might the want to look one. into that. Yep, that's the same one I've got as well. It lets me go in and mm -hmm. check and uncheck them. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, there's very likely could be a rogue extension that has installed some sort of change to yeah. your um, uh, to your browser. Um, I do know there is sort of a, uh, there, there's an option that really does sort of factory reset Chrome if things get really, really bad. So like malware bytes, I think that's a great idea. Checking the extensions is a great idea. If you do go into your settings in Chrome and you go all the way down to your advanced settings and you go all the way to the very bottom, the very, very, very last thing in here is restore settings to original defaults. And what that'll do is basically nuke your Chrome browser back to, you know, absolute beginning. It will remove everything and start it from scratch and you can log back in. Of course, you don't lose anything because, you know, I mean, you've got, I'm sure you're syncing everything to the cloud. So your bookmarks and your extensions are all synced to your account, but this would really set you back to, you know, starting fresh. And that would be another option as, as well. Yeah. And there's a ton of different extension managers that you can get. Um, and they all work great. So just find the one that you like. Yeah. All right. Um, what else do we have here? Do you happen to know if there will be a lock mode option forthcoming in Google Slides similar to Google Forms? Hmm. So, I guess the question is, what are they trying to yeah, do? Yeah, trying to do. Are you trying? Um, um, hmm. So when I hear locked mode and I hear slides, sometimes it makes me think about like, do they mean so kids can't move things on a slide? Like, so like if you've got stuff on a slide or do they mean lock mode that you can't exit the slide, you have to stay inside of it and you can't open up other, I guess I'm not totally sure about that. If it's more about, you know, locking things down, then I think that might be the master slide suggestion down here. Or mm -hmm. sometimes I've seen us make the background become a, an image that you create, like I'll use Google drawings to create a Venn diagram or something. And then I'll go ahead and set that as the background. So the kids can't move that, or you can set it in the master slide and that way they can drag things on top of it, but they can't actually move the stuff. Um, but I apologize if I'm misunderstanding the question. Yeah. We use master slides a lot to lock things down. Um, so that would mean going into, I think it's under slide when you're oh have right. a slide open and then right. you go down a master slide and then you can edit that way and kids can't delete the backgrounds um another thing that would be nice i don't know if this is what they want but like in google sheets you can lock a row or protect a row and only that kid can edit so that would be nice in slides like if you had 20 yeah. kids working in a slide deck because you want to collaborate oh. and then they mess up everyone's slides so i don't know if that's what they're looking for that's a but that idea. feature I have not seen, but Google should create it because when kids yeah. want to collaborate, they do delete others by mistake, or you do have some that are just trying to be funny. 
Huh. That's really neat, Stephanie. Um, you're right. You know, Sheets lets us do that. You're right. We can have protected areas and you can give permissions to just different rows or different cells. But in slides, yeah, it's you either have edit rights or you don't. And if you do, you can edit everything. And I know a lot of times when we talk about fun activities, having kids work together in slides, and that's great. They need to learn how to collaborate together in a digital environment. But you're right. Sometimes um, accidentally or on purpose, they'll mess with each other's slides. Wouldn't that be cool if you could have a more granular control over which slides they can edit rather than the whole slideshow? I think maybe the only other option would be um, this would take a lot of work to set up. Uh, so I don't know. It's more of those like a workaround, but it's like, is it really worth all the time and effort is you could have every student has their own slideshow. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's cool. So everybody has their own slideshow with a slide that they're working on. Okay. Um, and then you make a new slideshow where you copy and paste um, each student's individual slide from their slideshow into the new one. But when you do the copy paste, you use the link slide option. Cause you know, when you copy a slide from mm -hmm. one slideshow into another, it says, do you want a static copy just like a snapshot? Or do you want it actually to be a live connection back to the other one? Well, if you did that, then the kids could work on their own individual slide. But then when they go to the master slideshow in view only mode, they could see everybody's live slides being pulled into it. Um, now you do have to click on the slide and say update slide and it will go ahead and, you know, pull in the new things, but that's a lot of work. Somebody should make an add on that does that. So there you go. I just threw it out there for you. Somebody create an add on <laughs> that <laughs> creates all the individual slides and then puts them together in one big slideshow. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, and another thing you could do, I mean, students might work better if there's just five slides rather than, you know, 28. Yeah. So then putting them in groups and they work together in those fives and then importing, just like Eric said, that might save you a little bit of time rather than doing the individual sure. um, or do the kids that can handle it and those that can yeah. have their own slide deck and then you add theirs later. Yeah. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, ultimately, ultimately they do need to learn how to properly collaborate in a digital environment. Yes. So end of the day, yeah, they need to know how to do that because they're going to get a job someday where they're going to be on a team and they're going to be contributing to a slideshow that the whole team's building. And I realize they're kids, but you know, we need to help move them toward what we eventually want them to be able to do, which is digital citizenship. So yeah. And Dan just added another note in there. All right. He says, what if you send out a slides template in Google Classroom, make a copy for each student, then share that assignment folder view only to each student in the class. All right, so each student gets their own copy, but then they can at least open up the folder and see each other's work. Yeah, I don't think we take advantage of that often enough. The fact that in classroom, every time you make an assignment, a folder gets created and everything the students do gets dropped in that folder. And you can, if you want, right click on that folder and share it and get a view only link and then give that link to the rest of the class and say, hey, take a look at your classmates work. I don't know that we take advantage of that often enough. And I think there's some pretty neat things that what Dan is suggesting there, that would definitely be something to investigate, not just in this situation, but in more situations, you know, how could that be better utilized? Cause it's something that I don't think we do a lot of. Cool. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I don't know that we solved anything, but we 
might be confused on a higher level at least. So that's good. Um, next up, I did see there was a question about looking at the activity details of a file compared to the version history of the file. Um, and so um, if you're not familiar with the activity, so basically the idea is if you go in Google Drive, there's a little button in the top right-hand corner that's like the letter I with a circle around it, like information. If you click that button, what it does is it opens up a panel, and this is a screenshot of it that was included in the question here. It opens up a panel on the right-hand side of Drive. Click on any file that you want, and you can actually see activity on that file, like who opened it, who shared it, um, who edited it, and it lets you see from an like a, a outside perspective, how was this file managed? You know, did it get copied, moved, shared? What happened to it? Well, I do see in the screenshot, they're saying it mentioned the file getting edited, but then when they look at the actual version history, those edits aren't showing up. Again, this is just my thought would be maybe the edit they made isn't what we think of as an edit. It was something enough to trigger activity. So the activity got triggered, but what do we mean by, oh, they edited it? Maybe the change they made was like adding a comment. Because when you add a comment, that will show that you're editing the file, but it's not going to show up in version history. So that's my guess is that it wasn't a significant edit, whatever it was, pinged the file enough to show up in activity, but not enough to actually show up in the version history. But again, I'm guessing there based upon what I'm thinking. So yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, um, Heather uh, just said in the chat, could it show edit if they just viewed? Again, I'm not sure. Yeah. Good, good question. Um, it could also be like, Viewing it might have caused, I mean, I don't know, maybe there's a, maybe there's some formulas in the spreadsheet and they got recalculated, you know, by it getting refreshed and that shows as an edit, but it's really not, you know, nothing's changing. So, especially since they, it looks like it was a spreadsheet that was getting referenced in this. All right. And then the next question talks about how secure is Google Classroom documents. Um, so if you post a PDF to Google Classroom, can other, use it, other users outside of that classroom view it? And I would say they can. I think anything could be shared because kids can download it, teachers could download it, and then they can share it that way. Yeah. yeah. There's always workarounds. <laughs> you know, Stephanie, you're right. I think we need to go into it with the idea that don't ever think it's impossible. There's, there's a, somebody will find a way, even if it's taking their phone out and taking a picture of the document, you know, no matter how we lock it down. So we do have to consider that, that there is probably always a way around things. The best we can do is use the tools they've given us. And I did mention a couple here that some folk you may not be aware of. There are a few restrictions that sometimes we get that we forget about. Um, for example, when you go to share a file, there's an advanced setting. Like if I share this Google Doc we're in right now, if I go to the sharing settings and I go to the advanced option, 
way at the bottom, there's two check boxes that include things like prevent editors from changing access or adding new people so that people, so they can't reshare a document. And then there's a checkbox to disable the options to download, print, or make a copy for commenters and viewers. So if somebody's just a commenter or a viewer, they can't download it, they can't print it, they can't make a copy of it. You can do that and that would help slow down the ability for somebody to easily just, oh, I'm just gonna make a copy and send it off to somebody, or I'm gonna download a PDF version of it or whatever. You could slow them down a bit by doing that, but yeah, there's always gonna be some kind of a workaround. So the second part of that is, you know, digital citizenship, um, consequences, uh, acceptable use policies, um, management of your class. That's the human element, not just the technology element. All right. What else do we have here in Q and A? Let's see. Um, Google Task. Yeah, this one I didn't know if there was any way to do it. Looks like they said if you set an alarm, you know, like hey, this task is due at a certain time, mm -hmm. could that make it pop up to the top of the task list? I don't know. I know you can drag your tasks around. You can drag it up yourself. I don't know of anything in tasks that will actually make it pop up to the top. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I think you'd have to do it right now, but maybe eventually they'll make this feature. Tasks, you know, it's but, it's basic, right? I mean, it's yeah. not the most robust thing, so I'm not surprised it doesn't have that. It's a task is, is fine, but it's a, it's, a, it's a pretty basic feature right now. Yeah. All right. Um, oh, this next one deals with that comprehensive mail. I mean, I think, unless I'm misunderstanding the question, um, says, I'm wondering if you can see an email thread when you make a calendar invite. Um, if I'm hearing that right, if what you mean is I did a calendar invite, can I see an email thread that came from that calendar invite? If I'm hearing that right, that is what we talked about earlier with comprehensive mail storage. You will not see that in your sent mail or in your email unless your Google administrator has gone into the admin console and turned on comprehensive mail storage. Then it will start saving copies of emails sent through calendar and other Google services. Unless I'm misunderstanding the question. I'm not sure. All right. And then the next one asks about adding a timestamp to Google Sheets. Um, so like if there was a checkbox and you have a Google Sheet and they click the checkbox, then a timestamp would occur um, when clicked. So I'm not sure how to do that, but if anyone knows, that would be really cool. Yeah, I don't think so either. I mean, I'm thinking, yeah, you could do um, an if statement, but... I don't think it's gonna achieve what you want. You could say if checkbox equals true, if that cell equals true, meaning the checkbox has been checked, then display the timestamp. I mean, but you could just use like the, the now formula or whatever to show like, you know, this is the, the, the time that this is right now. But the problem is that's not static. It's not gonna just put it in once. That would be a live formula. And every time you reopen, the spreadsheet, it would update that formula and it would put the new time in there. So I'm afraid, no, I think that's gonna require app script or an add-on that would grab the time that that happened. And then after grabbing the time that it happened, it would statically hard code in the timestamp rather than a formula. But anyway, 
I'm sorry, I don't think we're helping a whole lot on some of these other <laughs> questions know. here. And then they said something with docs. Um, has anybody found a way to auto add a date in docs? No, I haven't yeah. either. That's a con I've heard that question a lot. Yep. I think that would make a lot of sense to have last updated on and then it, yeah. I have not seen that either. I mean, docs does support um, app script. Um, I don't think we use it a whole lot. Um, there is um, the script editor in there, um, but um, that would be something that would have to be done, you know, initially to a master doc that you make a copy of as like a, like a template. So my, my guess would be if you used the script editor in Google Docs and you were able to embed something like that, maybe, but there's nothing built in that does that right now. Uh, next up, why doesn't Sheets have voice typing? Yeah, it doesn't. You're right. Yeah. I don't know when it will be. <laughs> I wonder if anything works. I wonder if, um, what's the other one I use? Um, voice in voice typing is a, um, is an extension that I use, that I show during my assistive technology trainings on um, filling out like Google Forms because it's a basically, you know, it's a, it's a, a, a speech to text thing. Uh, so it works on like Google Forms. I don't know, does it work inside of Sheets? Um, we'll we can find out. out. We'll open up Sheets and I can see. So if I click inside of a cell and I go up to voice typing, this is just a test. Oh, it didn't put it in there. Let's try it again. Let me double click in there. This is just a test. Oh, it worked. There you go. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it worked. I had to double click inside of the cell to get the blinking cursor. It worked. Read and write works too. <laughs> uh, but read and write just piggybacks off of voice typing. Yeah, so it should. Well, but I don't know that it would work in here, right? Because yeah. it's piggybacking off of voice typing, isn't it? So like if I, doesn't it just open up the voice typing thing? If I turn on read and write, so here's read and write. Let's open up the toolbar. Oh, I got to refresh it. Let's open up the toolbar. Um, if I open up read and write, come on, oh, read and write. What you doing, buddy? Come on, there it is. Um, uh, wait, where is? It might not be on that toolbar because it might be different. Uh, probably not. So yeah, yeah, it's not because it's it's all all it's doing. All read and write is doing is it's just calling up uh, tools um, uh, voice typing. It just it just triggers this. So read and write doesn't actually have a speech to text tool. It's just triggering that inside of docs. But it looks like in sheets, yeah, if we double click inside of a cell and if we use a tool like voice in voice typing, testing one, two, three, testing one, two, three. There it is. Puts it right in there. So anyway, that, that extension is one I've shared a lot of times on my, if you go to my controlaltachieve.com slash sped like for special ed if you or if you go to my accommodations page on control alt achieve um i do have all of those resources there so control alt achieve if you go to resources and you go down to accommodations 
Um, I have a section here on accommodations and accessibility tools and the session agenda that talks about Google tools for struggling students does include a link to um, voice and voice typing, as well as many, many other tools. It's in the text-to-speech section here. Uh, no, it's not. It's in the speech-to-text. I lied. Speech-to-text, of course, because you're talking. Speech-to-text section, there it is, voice in, voice typing. Uh, this is the extension, and I show using it when you're not inside of Docs. I use voice typing for Docs, but if I'm in something else, I use voice in, voice typing instead. And yeah, as long as you uh, double click inside of a cell and then click on the voice and voice typing little microphone, there you go. You can talk in a sheet. Hey, I love learning new things. Yeah, that's Isn't exciting. That, awesome? that was a great question. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we finally answered one of them. <laughs> All right. Oh, and I do see up here. Yeah, uh, you're right. Uh, App script inside of Google Docs supports on open, not on edit. So. It looks like when you open the document, it can run something like a pop-up that tells you some information, but might not be able to work while editing. All right. Um, and then is there a way to move the Google control bar on slides? Uh, I don't think when so. presenting. I don't think so. Yeah, the little floating black bar in the yeah. bottom left-hand corner, it gets in the way. My Jeopardy template, I had to um, make a change to it a couple years ago because Google made a change to their floating black bar and it ended up covering up like two of the cells, you know, like row, like column one and two, you know, row five in my Jeopardy template, they were getting covered up by that floating toolbar. And so I had to kind of eke them up a little bit and make a little bit more room there. Um, so... Right, I'm not aware of any way to move that floating control bar. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, um, that's great. I think we're getting close to the time that Jen's gonna be joining us. So what we'll do is I think we'll go ahead and transition um, over to show and tell, but then we'll do another pass back through because I know there's been a lot of comments getting thrown into the Q&A and um, we can do another pass back through after show and tell and see okay. if somebody had something else to add to Q&A um, to clarify some things. Um, I think Tina wants your link to that spec ed website that you just showed on your website, Eric. I think sure that's thing. the link that she's looking for, but I could be wrong. All right. So, um, yeah, here's, um, I'll just, yeah, sure. I'll put it in here. So, um, Eric's, uh, sped resources. Um, Oh, maybe did I go too far? There it is. Awesome. Um, this is the full link. You can also just put slash sped on the end and it'll get you there, but this is the full resolved link that it takes you to. And then once you get to that page, um, the, um, my, um, agenda document can be found on there. It's the very first link. Um, and I'll just copy paste it rather than typing that in, um, by hand. There it is. Um, so it's Google tools for struggling students. And that, that has all of the, um, I don't know, dozens and dozens of Chrome extensions and tools and all kinds of things to help with accommodations, accessibility, text-to-speech, speech-to-text, readability, reading comprehension, all kinds of things like that. So, yeah. All right. 
Well, we're going to move into our final portion of this, and we'll do a pass back around on Q&A and see if anything else came up um, when we finish this, uh, give folks a chance to process some of that. Um, with show and tell, basically, we just want to share neat stuff that we've come across. Maybe it's a cool new extension. Maybe it's um, uh, some creative way you're using Google tools in your school. Maybe it's something you went to a conference and you learned about, or you're presenting something. You wrote a new blog post and you want to share it with us. Put it in there. We'd love to have it. <laughs> That'd be great. Uh, so uh, Stephanie and I are going to jump back and forth again, as usual, and share some things that have uh, caught our eye over um, the last uh, month. Um, and we're not going to go in order necessarily. Be, you know, we're just going to jump back and forth here. So, I mean, we'll take turns, but we may not be going from top to bottom through this. I'll go ahead and start this off with something that's been a project I've been working on at my job recently. Um, and so this is uh, the one that says spark videos on Gmail contacts, Google accounts, etc. So very quick explanation behind this. Um, we've been using G Suite uh, where I work for years, like for the last six years, we've been using G Suite, but um, it's been an option. You know, you, you could use it if you want, but you didn't have to. I mean, you, you know, you, we still had Outlook for, for our email client um, as well. A lot of people switched to Gmail. Not everybody did. Well, we as an organization are switching completely over to uh, Gmail. And so for some folks, that was still something new to them. And so I have put together some videos um, recently to help the staff that I support in my regular job. These are not on my YouTube uh, channel. These are on the YouTube channel for um, where I work. Um, I don't know that I'll ever make a blog post out of these necessarily. I mean, maybe someday I will throw them together as just a, hey, here's some useful things. But I thought I would share them here just if it's helpful to you guys. Um, and I'll probably add more in the coming months um, as we continue our transition. But it was some just real common questions people have like, hey, I'm new to Gmail. How do you use folders? Well, Gmail calls them labels, but you know, how do you use those? Or um, how do you uh, adjust your Gmail inbox layouts to look more like Outlook or to, to look a different way that you want it to look, you know, or creating contact groups? You know, how do you create contact groups um, either manually or by importing them? Well, what if you need a Google group instead? Or a really important one, we have a lot of folks who have multiple Google accounts. And now we're saying, hey, you need to use your work Google account now. They say, yeah, but I've already got a personal Gmail account. Or I also work out in a different district. I've already got a Google account there. So I did a video here on um, how to manage multiple Google accounts. Now, I did a blog post on this years ago. It is out of date. <laughs> I need to update it. Uh, but this is about a, a eight-minute video, and it talks through different ways. If you've got more than one Google account, it covers three different ways to manage that. The third one is my recommendation, uh, but the other two are certainly valid and viable if you prefer them. Um, each of these videos I've tried to keep really short. They're typically three, four, five minutes. This is the longest one here on the multiple accounts. It's like eight minutes long. So uh, some of this stuff might not, I mean, I might reference things about my job in some of these because I'm talking to the staff that I support. Uh, so there could be maybe a teeny bit of confusion about that when I talk about contact or, or you know, contact the tech team or something. Uh, but feel free to use these videos if, if they help. If, if you think your staff would benefit from some of these little things, psh, that's fine. Go ahead and, and use them. But just wanted to put them out there since I put a little bit of work into putting them together, thought others might benefit from them. Stephanie, what's something you wanted to talk about from Show and Tell? Oh, I threw it to Stephanie. She wasn't ready, I don't think. 
Oh, I was on mute. I was it's talking okay. to myself. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I should have given you more. I should have given you more heads up. <laughs> no, you're good. I'm like talking and I'm like, what's going on? Um, so mine was the 27 tips for delivering powerful professional development. Yeah. And so this I thought was really cool. Um, it was from Matt Miller, who's amazing. And he talks about just different ideas for professional development. And I think it's so true that we need to think about these type of things. Like, the first one he uses problem solution framework. So what problems are we even seeing in education? And then let's start to solve those problems rather than blame other people or um, what solutions can we come up with? And the room, you know, always has tons of ideas because teachers, they have to work with different students. So like a spec ed teacher might have really good advice for that student that you're really struggling with. Um, so I just thought going through some of these ideas um, are really helpful to help in the classroom and as you're planning PD, because I know a lot of our audience is the coaches that are helping teachers use technology. That's great, yeah. We, we definitely wanna have good PD and reflecting on this uh, can really help us think of maybe something that we have um, not been considering. That's wonderful, awesome. Um, well, I do see that Jen Giffen has joined us, um, and I'm not going to put her on the spot immediately. Um, I'll, let her get, I'll let her get queued up <laughs> unless she is ready. Uh, uh, she looks like a beanie baby. I know people may not be able to see this, um, but uh, she is, uh, and it's, it's, it's Halloween today, so, so uh, uh, she is uh, dressed up as, as a teeny beanie, I believe. Uh, she's got her tie sticker on there. Uh, that's very good. Uh, your stripes? Are your stripes? All right. Yes, I am. <laughs> your stripes. That's great. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, so um, we are in our show and tell section here. And uh, so far, Stephanie and I have each shared one thing out of that. Uh, but we do want to welcome uh, Jen Giffen here with us today. And uh, uh, Jen, we're going to ask you to um, uh, share a little bit about yourself, of course, you know, uh, so people know who you are, how to contact you, uh, about your amazing podcast, um, all those great things. And then um, your, your focus today appears to be uh, chatting about some of your favorite uh, Google Chrome extensions, although I'm a little confused. There's, a, there's an extra U inside of favorite, uh, so I'm not sure if that was a typo or what there. <laughs> uh, maybe you can explain that when you introduce yourself. But uh, hey, Jen, welcome. Thank you. Hi, friends. I'm so excited for today. Um, so for those of you who don't know me, I'm uh, Stephanie and Eric's biggest fans. I um, freak out about them a lot on Twitter um, for various reasons. My name is Jen Giffen. I can be found at Virtual GIF, that's with two Fs, on pretty much every social media platform. I am currently a teacher librarian full-time in a high school just north of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and that should explain my extra U's. So yes, and I purposely <laughs> kept those in, Eric, um, when, I, when I put it in, I typed it and then I went back to, to uh, delete it, and I'm like, no. no, you know what, I'm keeping my Canadian you, U in there. You be you, you be I you. I am. I'm going to talk all about, or whatever we say <laughs> that you guys think we say, a whole bunch of Chrome extensions. It'll be amazing. Awesome. Um, yeah, so I uh, am the co-host uh, of Shooks and Gift, the podcast, which is uh, a podcast I do with Kim Polishuk. And Kim and I have been doing it. This is our third season, I believe. Yeah, our third season. We just actually recorded our fourth episode of the third season a couple of days ago. Super short one because life happened. Um, but we talk about little sort of ed tech treasures that we find and we encourage people when they come 
across those just to give it a go. So if you see something, you're like, oh, that'd be kind of cool to do in the classroom, just sort of take the leap of faith and, and go with it. So we do a lot of Googly stuff. Kim and I are both uh, Google innovators, as you know, as you guys are as well, you know. And uh, we, we just really like to share things that we found that we think could be really helpful to um, amplify student voice and to uh, streamline the lots of work that we have to do as teachers. So that's the basic gist of me outside of school. I'm a mom of three boys. We are very excited today about Halloween. I'm not so excited about the candy um, sort of like overdose uh, downfall that we're gonna have tomorrow, but that's okay. I think we can deal with it. Uh, I've been teaching for night, this is my 19th year. I have taught secondary English, math, special ed. I've done student success. I've done literacy. I was a digital literacy consultant up in our curriculum offices in our district for a while. It's been a good ride. That's it. That's me. Is that enough? Oh, that's fantastic. Now, today, you're going to be talking about some of your favorite Chrome extensions. And uh, Stephanie and I are still getting used to using Zoom for okay. recording these. Um, in the past, we've always done Hangouts. Um, and so um, my question is, would you like to be able to share your screen? Would that make things easier? And if so, let's see if we can figure out how to do that. At the moment, yeah, I have... I've got your document pulled up on my screen, yep. but I don't know if that's really going to, if that's what you would prefer, if, if, if you'd rather be able to share your screen. I think, I think if I share, I can probably, rather than just talk about, okay. I can show some ways that Let's I do use that. the ones. So that what I'm going to need to do is I'm going to stop sharing my screen. Okay. And uh, do you, I'm assuming, do you have the ability in the little Zoom toolbar to see uh, the share button? I'll start video. I have my thing. Share. You cannot share while someone else is okay, sharing. So I'm going to stop sharing. Okay. All right. So and I am not sharing. So I am you should now, going now to share have the ability my desktop, to share. share. And do you see the Zoom? I do. I do see. I do see that. <laughs> awesome. Okay, good. So I'm going to go over here to my favorite Chrome extensions. I am going to maximize as best I can on my Mac. I don't like to go full, full screen because it, it freaks me out a little bit. <laughs> but there, I'll take that down there. And good. Is this good? Is well, we, good? Can, we can definitely see your screen. It is zoomed in pretty far. Um, is it? Yeah. Like I oh, see a looks... really big um, cursor. Um, oh yeah, that's my that's my normal cursor size. Okay. <laughs> Don't laugh at me, Stephanie Howell. <laughs> I'm gonna talk. Let me talk about my cursor size to start. <laughs> this is when I think size matters, my friends. In teaching and instructing, I think this is. So I'm on a Mac, and my cursor is purposely this big, so that when I go around and I'm showing you things, oh, then if you want to click here, you can see where it is. Because if it's teeny teeny, you can't. Here's how you do it if you have a Mac. If you go into your system preferences. There's my little guy bouncing, doing his little jig. And you go into accessibility. And from accessibility, if it works, you go to display. One of your options is cursor here. And I can make this teeny tiny. But then when I'm going all over my screen, yeah. you can't see it as well. Yeah. So I actually like to make it really large. And then you can see much more easily where I'm at. Well, this makes a lot of sense. I always heard you were a large cursor, um, <laughs> but I, I, I misunderstood that. I, yes. um, now... I am, I'm both. I'm, I'm a large cursor, <laughs> O-R and E-R, right? Did those both make sense? Yeah. I'm very clever, Kurt. Uh, very clever. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. Uh, okay. Jen's always right. thinking, though, about how to accommodate for everybody. So that's it why is, I love her. It is true. I'm always thinking about, and you know what, it, it, a lot of it stemmed from my own. I'm like, where did they click again? Where did that go? And I used yeah. to use an extension called Crafty um, Cursor. 
Yeah. And I love Crafty Cursor because and you know, it's not on my list, you'll notice. But what and the reason I've taken it off recently is because it, what that one does is it puts like um, a yellow sort of circle around your cursor, which is great. But it only does it in the actual um, window. If I were to go up and click one of my tabs, it goes away. And so what I like about the large cursor is that no matter where I am on my screen, I have that big cursor. And it looks ridiculous and people make fun of me all the time. And I'm okay with that because I think it's a nice door and entryway to talk about accessibility and making sure we reach all of our students at all times. I love it. Yeah. Okay. So let's get, shall I get going? How much time do I have? Because you guys both know well. I, can, I can talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we always, we, we, at the maximum, we cap our meetings at two hours. Um, okay. It is 2.22 here. Uh, we started at one. So we definitely want to be done by three. We do have some wrap up things that we okay. still want to do at the end. But I think that gives you some healthy time to discuss things there. Um, and um, again, like I say, what, when, when I'm looking at your screen, just so you know what I see, um, I do see your cursor. I do see a strip of your background. I see a large, large, large white square. So I don't know if I really am seeing exactly what you want me to see. You don't not. see my choice board? No, I don't. You do not? I do okay, not. Let me try to. And if I refresh the this. YouTube, I'm going to refresh the light. Right. I just refreshed the live YouTube and my other screen, and I am not seeing that either. Somebody had mentioned um, in the chat to make sure in Zoom to share your desktop rather than a specific window. I don't know if that's what that's they were referring what I've to. Done. I'm going to try it again. All right. Um, um, I've also put optimized for showing videos. So okay. we'll see. When, I, when you were showing your accessibility settings, those did not show up either. Um, so... Um, okay, I do see a giant cursor. I do see a beautiful picture of an ocean with an island in it, but that's all I see. There's nothing else on there. Um, if there's supposed to be something else on the screen, there's not. I'm just seeing your background, your, your wallpaper, I should say. And if worse comes to worse, um, so I can always reshare my screen and I know it's not going to be as exciting, but even if you pick out a couple of the extensions you want to talk about, we could even just talk about them, but. Oh, hold on. I've unmuted. Sorry, I was muted. I was like, why can't anyone hear That's me? That's okay. I'm going to share one. I'm going to try one more time. That's okay. And I apologize to folks. We are still learning about Zoom. Um, Hangouts on air again changed and we don't have that ability anymore. So um, we're still working through this. And uh, if you have advice to help us do a better job at uh, screen sharing, we would appreciate it. <laughs> um, so again, I see your cursor, I see an, an island or at least a peninsula and I see ocean and that's all I see. Okay, what do you see now? Still the same? Yep, still the same. Oh, okay, let me stop sharing one more time. Um, should, do you see nothing now? I've unshared. Right, 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 right. Okay. And this is what I love about having these tech mishaps, especially when you're in tech all the time, is it shows people that if you mess up too, it's okay. It happens it's to all fine. of us. Right? It happens to all of us. And there's always plan B or I guess plan C. I don't know if you guys have ever watched the uh, movie, The the Rundown with, uh, with, with, with The Rock. Um, it's an older movie. Uh, there's a great line in there about he's always saying, do you want option A or option B? And then uh, the other character says, well, what about option C? There's always option C. Uh, so we got we to gotta be ready for anything. Okay. Do you see anything now or is no, it still the same? Okay, I'm what so happens? sorry. Yeah. It's okay. We might not be able to do it. I, I think I probably. For whatever reason, all we're getting is your, your background. Okay. Um, your okay. Wallpaper. Well, why don't you share then, Eric? I'll stop yeah, and I'll just, right. I'll talk about some things right. that we can do. 
All right, I'll go back to sharing. It won't be quite the same. But, it's, but you know, hey, we'll make it work. So um, what I'm sharing is your, yep, is, is your document. Um, it does appear that people can, can get to this um, probably through the link in the agenda at the very bottom. If for right. some reason they don't have access to that, bit.ly slash GIF Chrome Extensions GEG Ohio appears to be the short URL to get to this too. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't, I might be just extension. So if anyone is watching and they're like, I can't get it with that bitly, um, try without the S. I think I put the S, but sometimes I forget. Okay, All I always right. include the U though. All right, so let's get going. Toby Mini is the first one. It's probably the um, extension I use the most. And it is a, um, it's almost digital bookmarking. So if you want to stop on that right there, that yeah. actually shows it really nicely. Yeah. Um, you'll see that they have, what it does is it creates a new tab. Um, and you want Toby Mini, not Toby, because Toby allow it, it makes it so when you open a new tab, it always opens to Toby and people don't like that. But what I do is I open a session of Toby and it just saves any um, website that I've happened to save. It sort of works like your favorites uh, in your drive, except you can take things from outside of your drive, which I love. So you'll see here it has today, it has interesting, these are the titles. And then underneath, there's a whole bunch of different links. So if I'm working on a project, let's say, I might have one, um, let's say I'm going to a conference and I'm presenting at a conference. I could have one saying like uh, November conference 2019 and I could have all of my resources there so that I'm not you know, trying to surf the web for things or going through my bookmarks. It's really um, an enhanced bookmarking. The other thing I like about it is one of the options is you can put little notes in. So I might have notes between, so I could be like, okay, this is all for session one. This is all for session two. If I didn't want to create different little Toby headings for each of the ones I'm doing. Another thing that I've seen teachers use it with that I really like is that they will have one for each um, class that they teach. So let's say you're in a seven period day, which I know some people can be, you could have a Toby for period one through seven and they don't, they actually, do they show it? Can you see here? No, not here. But if they actually showed a little bit further on the right in that screenshot, there's a button that says open all X number of tabs. So I love this because I love to greet students when they come in the door right, to say hello. And if I'm too busy setting up technology, I can't do that. But if I have the night before or the day before or on the weekend, whenever it happens to be set all these up, all I need to do is say open all tabs and all let's say nine that I'm going to use in that class open up for me. And then I'm greeting at the door as people come in. And I think for that relationship building alone and your own sanity, so you can find things. This is why I love Toby. That's great. Okay. So do you want to go back to my choice? Bar? Absolutely. My next one. Beautiful. So my next one is Screencastify, which I imagine you guys have spoken about before. Um, Eric has it installed, as you can see. Screencastify is a way to record your screen. It's free, but there isn't, it's freemium. You can upgrade, I think it's 24 American dollars for the year, which is about 4,000 Canadian dollars. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not really. And it gives you the opportunity to film just your browser, uh, your whole desktop or your webcam only, or any combination really of those. So it could be your whole desktop with your webcam in the corner. And I like to do this for students. If I'm ever away, if I have to leave instructions for students, I started when I was in the classroom about four years ago using this and that's what I would do. I'd be like, okay, I'm not here. Instead of the supply teacher, they would actually hear my voice. And then I started realizing, hmm, there was a day that I used to show them how to navigate something in Google, Google Classroom. And inevitably what happens when you do that? You say, okay, here, you click here, click here, click here, go here, go here, and then now go. And then they'd be like, miss, where do I have to click? And like, oh, because some students can't follow. They need to do it in real time. So I like to record screencasts of um, instructions that I might have 
so that students can click along as they go and watch the video instead of watching me. So I will still sometimes do the like show and tell at the front, but then at least when they're sitting down, they have that there recorded. And this is another really great thing. I've seen people use this um, for students who may be away for long periods of time, be it mental health issues or be it vacation. You could film all, especially if you're using technology to teach, you could film all of your lessons. It would capture the conversations that you have in class and then anyone who's missed class can review them. I have a colleague who did that um, for a student who wasn't coming in because of high anxiety issues and mental wellness and so they were learning remotely. And he started to realize that the, the, he would post them somewhere that he was actually able to track them. And the day before tests or quizzes, um, he was a science teacher, the numbers of viewers would like skyrocket. And he's like, what is going on here? And he started to realize that it wasn't only good for the student that was away, but students who wanted to review the actual lesson were re-watching them. And I think it does wonders. When I used to be in a, a, a coaching role, I had a teacher once say, hold on, I got to push this button. I said, what are you doing? And he pushed the button. And while I taught him something on his computer so that I was speaking and he was asking the questions, he had it. He said, because I'm not going to remember this when I need to do it again in two weeks. And rather than call you, I now have the videos, I can go back and be independent. And I think as adult learners, that's a really great model and Screencastify, especially for a free tool. I think it's up to 10 minutes. Am I right, guys? Do you guys remember? Yep. You can record 10 minutes yeah, at a time up to, up. and you can record 50 videos in a month on your account uh, using the free version. Yeah. And last so, year, if you wait until Black Friday, you can get it, I believe, half off. There you go. So maybe they'll have that again. Yeah, yeah. I, I do have the paid version on one of my accounts, um, but yeah, I just use the free version on, on everything else. Yeah, I think it's a, a great tool. And even $24 for a year, right. like for $2 a month, you skip a coffee one day and, and you've got this really, really fantastic tool. So that's Screencastify. It's an extension. Everything saves. Um, it can go straight to YouTube, but it can also save directly into your uh, Google Drive, which is great. You just have to rename it. Okay, Bitmoji, start it up. Eric, show us your Bitmoji. Oh, what add to Chrome, Eric? What's wrong with you? <laughs> this is my work account. Okay, this is my enough. work account. I have I've, it on my work account. I probably have it installed on my <laughs> personal account. So if you if you don't know Bitmoji, <laughs> you've maybe been living under a rock, or you just don't know what they're called. So it's these funny little characters of yourself. This is when I really wish I had mine because my care my Bitmoji, and you two can both attest to this, is like bang on me. It, is, <laughs> yeah, it, looks it is. exactly like me, but my hair is a teeny bit shorter than it is now. I love the Bitmoji. I love Bitmoji for a few reasons. Like you can when you have it installed in Chrome, you can then just put it in basically anywhere you want. I, I put them into Google Docs. I put them into emails that I've done. It's an extension also for Gmail that you can add. You can see that one right there. Um, but it's a really neat way to just be able to say something really quickly to someone. And I've had, um, Sylvia Duckworth does a really great presentation where she has students write Bitmoji stories. So all you can do in telling your story is find pictures from the Bitmoji extension or from the oh, app love and it. tell your story with just those, which is a really clever way for students to have to think, okay, what, which picture here represents what I'm actually feeling? What's the message? That's great. And it, and it makes them revise it too. Yeah, if I can find the link to that, I will, um, and if I can, I'll ask so. Um, I'll throw it into the, uh, the notes, but it's really, it's a really clever way of getting students to write and they can do it either way. They can write and then find the Bitmoji or they can see Bitmojis and then place them together. Um, and I think we live in a world that's really visual. So Bitmoji for the win. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people use this to spice up their uh, slideshows, uh, to uh, personalize and put themselves yeah. into their slideshows. Uh, my only complaint is uh, the beard's not long enough. 
Um, there you so. go. Maybe it's time to cut the beard, Eric. Oh, uh, hey, whoa, oh. whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I didn't say shave it. I didn't say shave uh, it. Hey, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Permanent clipboard is another one that I really love to use. If you have things that you're typing again and again and again, this creates your clipboard. So where when you copy something or cut something, it saves to your clipboard and this makes it permanent. So I can go up to this extension at the top and then I would say, okay, I, I want to insert something. You right click on anything like it says here. It says insert from permanent clipboard. And you can put them under categories like you see here, hello world, email footers, template issues. And then you can select any of those and it can be anything you want. So I love this for things like addresses. Mm. When someone's like, oh, what's your address? I can just right click and boom, there it is with my postal code or my, that's a zip code. That's okay. Um, um, so I can put in my postal code, especially my school address. I don't always remember that, but I need to put it in an email for someone that wants to get in touch And just to save you time. Just totally. To, oh my yep. goodness. Um, it's a really good one too. Um, there's a lot of different tools you can use, but before a, a more the advanced ones came out, when I was teaching English, I had some of these set up actually to give comments that I found I was giving again and again. Yes. Um, or if you don't use Gmail and you have another web-based email, I know Gmail does canned responses, but you can yep. use these yep. for canned responses as well. Yeah, they've renamed canned responses to oh, yeah. uh, templates now. Oh, but, you're right. Um, but yes, yes. I should uh, know this... that because I just wrote my level two Google. <laughs> I just recertified and they asked that. I'm like, what's yeah. this about? And yeah. I, that's when I yeah. relearned that. They renamed it. Yeah. Okay. Love it. And Google okay. used to have a web clipboard. So if you were in docs, mm. you could go up to edit and you could copy to your web clipboard and they yeah. killed that off. And so mm. something like this is a really nice replacement. In fact, can you scroll down? I meant to move it up and then I didn't. This uh, clipboard history pro it's sort of a, a nice complement to that, um, to the permanent clipboard. This actually, if you install it, anytime you ever cut and paste anywhere, it will remember and tell you. You can favorite some of them if you put them in a wow. lot. And it's your, it's your forever history of your clipboard. I think I learned about this from Ryan O'Donnell on his, on he and Brian Briggs Check This Out I don't out know podcast. if I want to know this. I, <laughs> right? It would be like looking into the deep, dark truth of yeah. your soul. Yeah, um, certainly don't let anyone ever look at it. Things I would <laughs> learn about myself that I don't want to admit to. Right? Um, wow. But if you found, you know, sometimes you want to post, this is when I've used it. You know how you're filling something out and it's like, okay, copy the first thing, the second and the third, and you have to do that sort of monotonous routine oh, over yes. and over and over this yes. is when this works beautifully especially great. if you can't open one and then answer question one on like five things you have to actually go and order one two three four five and you're like oh and i've got to do it again this is why i love the the history the clipboard history pro i think it's called is that right yeah, yeah. well I'll, I'll tell you what i do love about what you're sharing here and i'm gonna let you know we're probably gonna have to have you pick a couple more yeah, no that 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 you love out of here to uh to mention so that we can stay within our our time constraints, but no I just want to say, Jen, I, I love the fact that you're sharing a lot of things that I have not heard about a lot oh. of these. Yeah, I think so most of us know about one? Screencastify. Yeah. Most of us know about, but this is great. Thank you for, for highlighting some extensions that at least have flown below my radar. There you go. Okay, so if we want ones that we haven't known before, is there, oh, let's do this. Stephanie or Eric, is there one that piques your interest that I can talk about? Um, let's see. Definitely. I'm familiar with a lot of these tab glue, putting tabs back together, resizing tabs. That's useful to get them to a size that you want for video recording or side by side. Or I do side, that a lot. Like I want to side by side. And then, yeah. 
love. I like the color pick one. Um, I love for the design. Color that one's a huge saver. And then yeah. we talked yeah. about the extension manager today. Beautiful. Yep. yep. We so did, we immersive did talk. reader there is one that I don't know if you've seen it. It's new. It's it's the immersive reader from Microsoft. Oh, but I have not, seen this one. Please, not, please do talk about this. Yeah, yes, it's I not have seen affiliated. it. This one is not a Microsoft affiliate. So they open sourced, Microsoft open sourced their coding, this is what I understand, from um, the Immersive Reader. It's oh, a phenomenal tool that does a lot like nice. um, read and write by text help. Yeah. You can open it on any web page except a Google Doc, which is driving okay. me crazy. But if okay. I'm on a website, I can, if I have this installed, I highlight part of the website, I right click, and it says, help me read this. And it will actually read it out loud. It will break it up into parts of speech. It will, um, it will read at certain pace. So it's, as far as accessibility goes, it does amazing things. It breaks it down into syllables if students need that. I don't know if it, I think it has the translating function on it, um, like in the Immersive Reader. The Immersive Reader is great if anyone uses um, any Microsoft products like uh, if you're in Flipgrid or OneNote or any of those that it, it mimics that. Well, and Immersive Reader is now getting baked into a lot of other products. Um, was Wakelet. it... Um, Okay. Yeah. Uh, what was it? Shoot. Yeah. What was it? There were some other ones recently. Um, yeah, I think it was in that, uh, but there was still, it's okay. I I won't remember it right now. There's one, it's, it's one with, uh, a bunch of articles that you can read. It's a service that collects together loads and loads of great articles and, uh, no, um, it's okay. I'm old. Okay. I can't remember. Um, but they're awesome. I've seen them at ISTE. They always have a booth and they're awesome people. And it's co- totally out of my brain right now. Um, but it's now baked into that. Uh, this is nice because I mean, trust me, I love read and write. I will forever and ever and ever me sing too. the praises of, of read and write. But this, when I saw this, because mm-hmm. I came across a blog post that said, oh, Immersive Reader is now included in blah, 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 whatever this yeah. other tool was that I can't remember because I'm an is old man. Is it Flipgrid? Um, no, no. It's, 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 it's one of the ones that collects together lots of awesome articles for kids to read. Um, and I just can't remember. Wonderopolis? Nope, nope, they're they're awesome too. Although it it, it might work on there too, but that's not it. Let's it's, just, it's, Stephanie, let's just throw just keep every, on saying them. It's like just we're playing ten thousand dollar pyramid. Keep on working out. Yeah, yeah. This is yeah playing. Yeah, it's playing a game show with an old senile man. It's very very frustrating. Oh um, so there's just too many tech sites. There's too many resources of the problem. But I saw it in this blog post, and so I tried out this thing. I went. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. See, now it is going to bother me. So we're going to find out because <laughs> I put it in the ELA, uh, my ELA uh, collection of resources here. And it's probably going to be one of those you guys already said. I'm going to be like, oh my gosh, I am an idiot. It really was that. Um, it was, oh, it was Wonderopolis. Woo woo, Giffen for the win. Oh, geez. I'm so old and senile. <laughs> yes. So that was it. Wonderopolis added it recently. It's built right into it. So when you're reading a Wonderopolis article, you can have Immersive Reader pop up on there. And I was really impressed impressed by it. I'm like, and get, don't get me wrong. I love read and write. I will love it forever. It's a fantastic tool, but immersive reader does some snazzy stuff. Sure does. And so, yeah, I like the oh my gosh, I've got to add this to my, to my accessibility session. This there is great. Go. 
Yeah. Oh, uh, thank you for sharing this. You're welcome. I'd like credit in that session, please, Eric. All right. <laughs> my my friend, my my bestie Jen. Can you say that? <laughs> yeah, my bestie. My bestie Stephanie. Have you heard that story? Eric and I are best friends always at ISTE, so we're besties. Yeah. We're besties. Not besties. Gotcha. We're besties. Okay. So the last, I, I'm going to do two quick. Link sure. Clump is there. Link Clump is really a, a neat extension if you want to open a whole bunch of links at the same time. So they show it down here. You you hold the letter Z or Z and then you highlight an area and what it will do is whatever is in that box that you've drawn as you click so hold oh ZZ link and it opens all of those in new tabs it's a really quick way to open a whole bunch of links at once oh that's awesome cool right Carly Mora taught me that one I think I'm pretty sure it was Carly cool. and then my last one I got to give it to the Canadian guy that hey girl <laughs> if you install this on someone every single picture and every gif on the page becomes ryan gosling you're welcome you're welcome it's a really good prank around april fool's day to install on someone's computer when they're not paying attention there's another one called hey guy and i believe it opens to oh now i'm gonna forget um oh i can't it'll it'll come to me but yeah every every picture that they open turns to ryan well if it's hey like, guy it, if it's hey guy it probably has a picture of a virtual gif on it because it that, smart, I would and, like smart and pretty right smart i have stickers to prove it my friends <laughs> well hey i love ryan gosling uh for those who that know doesn't me, blade, blade runner 2049 was my favorite movie two years ago of, of all love it to death i love everything he does Dang so God. that's fan fantastic yeah. oh thanks yeah. chrome, extens well, chrome extensions are definitely my jam i tell people all the time and this is why i was hoping to see mine i i have i think i counted at one point almost 100 installed it's why yeah. i use that switcher yep. so you can turn them on and off and i can enable yep. and disable same for me um, yeah, yeah there you go it's yeah. it's a great one and what i love about it too especially that one unlike a lot of people use extensity yeah. with that one when you type in into the search box it not only searches the name of the extension but the description and sometimes i don't remember what it's called but yeah. i remember what it does and that's why i prefer it who who has memory problems not me yeah not no me. wonderopolis <laughs> <laughs> well again uh jen we want to thank you so much for being with us uh feel free to hang with us the last few minutes here because there might be something you want to chime in on with the last couple of things that we end up mentioning uh but we want to let everybody know again uh you can find jen at virtual gift with two f's and uh with the amazing shooks and gifts podcast um and uh everything at virtual gift.com so um uh, really appreciate you being with us and Thanks in the agenda we do have a link to your chrome extensions uh, document that you shared there at the bottom of show and tell awesome all right. So uh, a couple more things and we'll wrap up show and tell. Again, we are not going through all these. We never would do that anyway. We've bolded a few things. We just want to draw attention to uh, show and tell. Anytime Stephanie and I see something during the month that we're like, oh, that's so cool. We add it to this document and it's just a, an ongoing running thing. And we appreciate that other people share things in here as well. So we'll just do a real quick, I'll make sure I do this part uh, quick because I do want to uh, make sure we're sensitive to people time. Um, and so uh, what was the next one I was going to mention? Um, I do have a couple new blog posts on, on my site. Um, I did um, a post on 15 awesome article sites for students that includes 
believe it or not, Wonderopolis. Uh, this covers just a bunch of great websites where you can find uh, great current event news articles and uh, general interest articles for students, a lot of them at different Lexile levels, a lot of them um, covering a lot of different content areas. So if you're looking for a good place to get uh, articles for your students, I did a post on that. And then uh, I doubt I'm, you know, telling anybody something they, that they don't already know, but I just wanted to formalize it. I've been talking about Flippity for years and I just never did a post on it. So I went ahead and pulled together a post talking about the wonderful site Flippity, which provides um, all of these awesome Google Sheets templates that you can then download, fill in with your own content, and then after you do so, create um, online interactive games, whether it be uh, word searches, Jeopardy games, uh, flashcards, a random name picker, all sorts of things like that. So uh, those are two recent posts I put on the site. Uh, Stephanie, what else might you want to talk about? I was going to talk about the virtual reality reality activity sequence. Gotcha. Um, so this is a really cool post I found on Twitter. Um, so this one lady, she created kind of like a hyperdoc kind of activity with virtual reality because so often I just walk into classrooms and the kids are just using virtual reality. There's not a whole lot of questioning going on, um, a lot of conversation, but nothing like formally planned out. And I liked how she kind of planned out, like before the experience, I want the kids to think about these different tasks. During the experience, they're gonna focus on this. And then after the experience, focus on this. Um, so it kind of adds more meaning to virtual reality um, and helps you guide the lesson sequence. Because there should be activities you know before, during, and after. And virtual reality can be so helpful for so many students. So I just thought that was a really cool activity that she created. Excellent. I love Good that. stuff. Um, next up, um, I've got a, a link in here to a uh, Twitter post about uh, a neat twist on mystery reveal. So I know this is not a new concept. We've seen a lot of people talk about this before. I think Meredith Akers recently had a free template that used the same sort of idea to uh, have a self-grading quiz where you can, you know, drag the um, little magnifying glass over to see the answer. I thought this was a neat twist on it where um, Amanda was talking about using this to investigate an image. And so what she's doing is she's got the image and then you're dragging the, uh, the magnifying glass over that. Um, and when you do that, um, it reveals, you know, the part of the image underneath that. And um, I, what I liked about this, and she's doing this in, in, in Google Drawings, um, what, what I liked about that was how it really allows a student to take their time and not just see the picture and miss things, but little by little by little, work through the whole image and look for neat little clues and ideas of things to draw from. And in this case, it was for a, a history class. So it was a historical image and they wanted to pull as much information as they could out of the image. I thought, what a neat way to give that little extra oomph to help kids accomplish that. And there is a template here that you can click on if you would like to modify that with your own picture. And again, she's doing that, like I said, in um, Google, oh, it, it is in Google Slides, I'm sorry. She's doing this in, in, in Google Slides. Although you could do the same thing in, in Google Drawings as well. So. And there was another one where she asked questions and then the answers, you had to use the magnifying glass to yep. find the answers. So I know that's somewhere on her Twitter, Yeah. Um, which is really cool. All right, and what else did you like? I was gonna go over the tracking um, success document. I think it's at the sure bottom. Sure thing. So I created this and I've been using it with students. Um, and it's been super, super helpful for teachers. So Eric, I might have you make a copy 
mm -hmm. if you don't mind, so I can show you the drop downs. And so I thought this could help other educators. On the first column, you can change it as soon as it loads. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's all green um, from the view only. So if, yeah, we can click there real yeah. quick. It says I'm good. If you click that <laughs> drop down, kids can okay. actually choose that they're not good and they need help and it will change it to red. Oh. And then it's a way for them to communicate with um, you as their teacher rather than raising their hand. Plus you have some students that might not like to raise their hand. Um, so there is the red. If you do um, check me, it changes orange. So there were some teacher check-ins where they need to check in with the teacher. And it really helped us, um, this tracking success. So I really hope it helps others. And then you can put the different tasks where it says like 1A, 1B, and you can see what tasks the students are working on, what ones they're finished with, what ones they haven't even started with. And then you could say, okay, student one, you haven't even gotten started. We need to have a conference. Um, are you struggling with the directions or what? And then yesterday, we just added the location. Um, we had an Alice drill and I was in a classroom and it was kind of crazy. I told kids they could use the restroom, but I had no idea who their names were because it, I wasn't in their classroom all the time. So I didn't know all the students. And so to, last night I added the location so we know where the kids are. Um, and with that timestamp question, I thought it would be really cool. Like if the kids clicked a place, yeah. it would say, oh, they've been in the restroom for 10 minutes. What's going on? <laughs> right. um, so then you can go track them down. But I don't know if that's possible. So hopefully if someone yeah. can find an answer to that question, that would be really cool. Um, oh, but I just wanted to nice. share this. Um, and my teachers love it. So I'm sure other schools might find it valuable. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, now, all the students are in... That. All the students are in this uh, spreadsheet together. Yes. Have you had any issue yet with you know, um, kids clicking on somebody yeah. else's So what stuff? we do, um, I highly suggest uh, you as the teacher, you go in and type in your students' names. Um, just because kids have a really hard time at first getting used to the grid, but once they're used to it, it really helps. And then Eric, if you highlight number four, that row for me, so you'll just do that. You'll do two clicks if you're on a Mac um, or right click, I think. And you'll go to protect range. And then from here, I type in the kid's name and I hit submit, uh, set permissions. Right. And then I'm going to enter that student's um, email address. So if we do Jen or Jim, <laughs> and then instead of only year, you're going to click that and hit custom. And then you're going to type in Jim's email address and only you and Jim have access to that. Gotcha. Now, once Jim is added, um, so we'll act like we did that, hit done. Go ahead and go to line, the next line. Oh, pitch here. And then got it. And then you'll go to the next line and do it again. So protect range. Mm -hmm. But this time you have to unclick Jim. So Jim, Jim would still have access if you don't unclick him. So that's one thing that you need to keep in mind. All right. Um, so you can protect it, but you have to protect all the rows. So you can see that those two email addresses are going to be clicked, enable to edit that line. Yep. And then you, and add then you the would new just person. add the new person. All right. So you're going through basically and protecting these yeah. so they can only edit the row that's theirs. And it's a lot of work up front, but once you have it set up, it's good for the whole year. All you have to do is change your activities at the top, and then you can just delete the color coding and it will go away. 
That's a great idea. Do you know if any protection copies? I've never tried that. If I, I come here and I duplicate a sheet, does anything copy over? Um, no. Okay. I think it does. Like when you go to file, make a copy. Um, Cause I, yesterday I did this. So if you, what I have been telling my teachers is if you want evidence of that um, spreadsheet, just make a copy of it, rename it, and then go back to your original and delete. So always use the original and use the copy as your evidence. Right. So, yeah. Well, that's awesome. Thank you for putting that together and for sharing that. Yeah. That's amazing. No problem. All right. Well, since we're about out of time, um, all I'm going to do, rather than opening up a bunch of these other ones, is just mention some of the things. Um, I did uh, highlight how Book Creator is now, uh, the full version is free for Google trainers and innovators. Uh, there, you know, There's uh, certainly a free version that everybody can use with Book Creator, but they shared that out to, uh, if you're a trainer or an innovator, definitely fill that out so you can take advantage of that. Um, I thought this was a great article here on places to find uh, templates for docs, sheets, slides, and drawings for student activities. Um, I liked this extension um, from Google. It's a Chrome extension called Mindful Break. We talked about mindfulness earlier. This one, uh, well, you can set reminders to pop up and tell you to take a break, to do a one-minute breathing exercise, and also to share mindfulness tips with you throughout the day. Uh, and I loved, loved, loved uh, this Halloween Mad Lib. Uh, this is from Jolie. Uh, and I'm sorry, Jolie, you've told me your, your, how to pronounce your last name uh, before. And I always, is it, is it Boucher, Boucher? I, I'm so sorry. But, but Jolie is an amazing uh, um, ed tech person um, uh, that I've connected with online for, for many years. And she um, created this really cute Halloween Mad Lib. Um, I'd actually played with something like this in the past and had done a couple of uh, templates to, to play around and try out this and never ended up posting or sharing anything on it. Wow, she did such a good job. I'm glad that she did this um, because it was way better than what I was doing, <laughs> way better than I was thinking. Um, and uh, where basically the kids come in here and they fill in, you know, like a Mad Lib, you know, verbs and nouns and adjectives. But she does such a nice job explaining what it is you're trying to fill in here. And then, of course, she's using um, a... Um, a, a uh, a formula here using the concatenate type of a formula where you're using the and symbol to and together all the things the kids submitted. Um, whoops, sorry about that. Didn't mean that I'm changing her formula. Now there we go. It will put together all of the different answers and put together a story for them. So they fill in their answers on tab one, tab two then uh, uses a spreadsheet formula with the and feature to put together all those into a story. So great thing. You can easily take this, modify it, create your own story, follow what she's done here to make uh, other versions of this. So hats off, Julie. I really, really liked that a lot. Um, so um, Stephanie, were there any other things you definitely wanted to give a shout out to uh, as far as show and tell things that you were excited about? Those were the top three that I wanted to okay. point out. So I think I'm good. And if anyone has any questions about any of the other ones, feel free to reach out. All right. That is wonderful. Well, as always, there's more in this document than we'll ever be able to cover in a particular meeting. And so um, we do want to encourage you to, uh, to reference the document, check out all the different links that are in here, uh, things that we did not get a chance to uh, go into today. Um, you can uh, follow up on your own. 
I am going to sometime shortly after the meeting uh, adjust the permissions on this document. We always do. We change it from editable to comment only. So just heads up, it will switch into a comment only document, uh, but that will allow people to continue to participate and answer questions or add additional resources into that. Um, uh, Stephanie, did you see anything else um, before I give the final reminders um, here, um, questions or things that people shared in the YouTube chat or elsewhere that um, are um, something we should mention before we wrap up? Um, someone just mentioned the Pear Deck is also free for yes. trainers and innovators. So don't forget about that if you are a trainer innovator. Um, yep, that is awesome. Yeah. So Soundtrack also released oh, yeah, from a three month. Yes, that yep. is true. You're right. Um, uh, and so, um, Jen, anything that you wanted to throw out in the last few minutes we have here um, before Happy we wrap Halloween, things up? Halloween, everybody. <laughs> yes. Jen won the costume contest. Yeah, you won the costume contest. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. We. Uh, I, I'm not even dressed up as anything special today. So yeah, Jen definitely wins that one hands down there. So Thank you. Thank uh, awesome. Well, that was what I aspire to today. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we wrap up, uh, we want to remind everybody that if you didn't get a chance to sign in, we do have a, um, a sign in form um, in the agenda. Uh, if you scroll down to the important links highlighted in green, there's a sign in form. Please do take a moment to do that. Even if you did not watch this live, if you watch the recording afterwards, that still counts. Uh, we want to be able to report the numbers to Google as to how many people participated in our meeting and also send you a certificate of attendance for being part of this today. Um, other than that, uh, we'll remind you that you can stay connected to us in between meetings by joining our Google Plus community um, or better yet, by joining our Google group email distribution list. Um, you can also um, watch this um, on YouTube, uh, the recorded video, but Stephanie, you also do a podcast version of this. Did you want to mention anything about that to folks again? Yeah, the podcast will be ready um, as soon as we get the audio pulled from the video. So we will have it hopefully up by today or tomorrow. Yep. Stephanie has the link at anchor.fm slash geg-ohio for that and appreciate Stephanie for taking the time to put that together. In the future, you can uh, find about uh, other meetings that we have at bit.ly slash geg-ohio. Um, on that site, if you follow the link out to the monthly meetings page, you will see um, upcoming meetings tentatively. We have November 26th planned. Sometimes these do change. Please do check as we get closer to those dates. We may end up with other obligations that we need to take care of and things may get moved around a bit. If any changes happen, they will be mentioned on this page here. Like if, um, like if people have a baby? If people have change? a baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. I wasn't sure how much we wanted to share here today, but yes, I am, I am, I am due in just a few days. No, um, yeah, so, so yeah, Stephanie um, is an amazing trooper. Um, with a due date of Saturday, and she's <laughs> she's here <laughs> doing this meeting. So, uh, best wishes for you, Stephanie. We're so Thank you for that. Uh, so, well, thanks to everybody so much for taking some time out of your day. Uh, thank you, Jen, for being with us. Thank you, Stephanie, again, My for pleasure. all the amazing things you do to make this meeting possible. And thanks to everybody for taking the time to watch it. We look forward to connecting with you again in the near future. And uh, take care.